Good evening. My name is Neil Parks. I'm an award-winning author, screenwriter, artist, and I also dabble in the paranormal as far as investigating and researching the unknown. I'm here to read a few of my stories to you in an attempt to do an audiobook, something a little special to possibly scare the pants off of you. My first story, Bloody Birthday. Come on, Aiden, it's time to blow out your candles, said Trish. His mom, as the partygoers were finishing singing, Happy Birthday, Aiden's mother wasn't crazy about the theme for the party. But The Walking Dead was her son's favorite television show, and it's what he desperately wanted. Finally, Trish relented as she couldn't resist his constant pleading any longer. Aiden insisted that his mom and dad dress in costume for the party, but he was also delighted to see that a few of his friends and family got into the spirit and dressed as zombies as well. Some of the relatives had arrived already. They drifted away from the party and were over by the pond. Aiden's mom chose Yachtanji Park as the location for the party because it has a shelter house, lots of room to play games, a playground, and it's a great area for the party because of these things. Plus, the pond, which was next to it, was great for fishing and riding paddle boats. Aiden agreed that it was the perfect setting for the party. A few of Aiden's cousins and his aunt devoured the cake and ice cream and decided to forego the presents so they could skip rocks on the pond. Aiden looked in their direction to yell, Thank you! for their present when he saw something big moving along the water, near where the ducks were swimming. Look! Look! It's a huge fish! Aiden's cousins shouted. It looks big enough to eat the ducks! Aiden's aunt exclaimed. A few more family members and passerbys moved in closer to see what all the commotion was about. What started out as looking like a huge fish under the water was something entirely different. In fact, there were several floating objects in the water. Aiden's attention was immediately pulled from opening presents to what was happening at the pond. He soon noticed everyone in the vicinity was focused on the same thing. What was causing the big commotion at the pond? Aiden slowly walked toward the water, focusing all his attention on something coming up out of the water. To his disbelief and outright terror, he saw several figures emerging from the water and walking toward him and the partygoers behind him. Oh my God, Mom! They look so real! They look like real zombies from The Walking Dead! Aiden was beyond excited for what he believed to be the ultimate surprise. Several people were crawling out of the pond and walking the grounds near the party area. Most of the younger children scurried away from the horde approaching the birthday party. This is badass! This looks so friggin' real! said Aiden's uncle, who was already dressed as a dollar store zombie. His get-up paled in comparison to the obvious hours of work that went into how authentic and movie-like these zombies looked. They've got to be professionals, one of the party-goers said to Aiden's uncle. This must have cost Trish some big bucks, Adam thought to himself. A young couple walking by with their dog came to a stop and watched for a moment. 
Oh my God, Kyle, it's a zombie walk, excitedly said his girlfriend. The young couple stopped moving and continued watching the large group of people dressed as the undead approached them. A random passerby walked up to the horde and stood next to one of the zombies, hoping for a selfie, but he was instantly grabbed by one of them. The zombie bit deep into the man's neck and grabbed onto his face. The poor man let out an echoing scream. The sound in his flailing drew the attention of the rest of the horde. They descended upon him like a group of starving tigers on a wounded gazelle. The young couple was ripped apart by the other wandering undead cannibals as they stood still in shock. The crowd that gathered to watch the horde emerge from the pond started running away from the scene and screaming. The sounds and movement caught the attention from some of the zombies, and they started to spread out. Most of them started moving towards the birthday party. The confusion and chaos was too much for everyone in the park. One person after another was getting grabbed, attacked, and bitten by what was believed to be a birthday party surprise. Parents were rushing to their children and attempting to grab them and flee between all of the madness. Aiden saw his father in the distance. His dad had finally returned from a last-minute cola run to the store. Aiden wasn't sure how to run through the hell that was breaking loose around them so he could get to his father. He started walking swiftly in the direction of where he saw him. His heart stopped and his gag reflexes kicked in as he tripped over body parts, half-eaten party-goers, and random strangers. Aiden's mother started running towards his father, hoping that he could get them help and a quick escape. Mom! Dad! Aiden cried. Aiden began to stumble, then run into his parents' direction. He was only a few feet away from them when he noticed that his dad had blood on his shirt and his arm. The trail of blood was flowing from the side of his neck. Dad! Dad! Aiden screamed. His newly zombified father stopped sauntering and turned to look in his direction. Aiden's mother was within an arm's reach of his dad. It was too late for her to notice that he was now a shell of his former self. Aiden's dad grabbed onto her and bit deep into her face. Her cheekbone was now exposed as the flesh was ripped away by the ravenous biting. Trish! Screams. Her, e her echoes were heard through the park. Mom! No! Dad! Stop it! Stop! Aiden screamed as he watched his mother fall at his father's feet. Blood poured from her deep gashes. Aiden could feel the ice flow through his veins and noticed that his feet felt cemented to the ground as absolute fear crept through his body. He looked around to see more and more of his friends and family running from the party, lying dead on the ground, being attacked by the undead, or rising up to walk among the horde of the walking dead. This was supposed to be a beautiful, memorable day for Aiden. All of the partygoers, friends, and family were supposed to be celebrating another year of Aiden's life. As his mother arose after being eaten alive, both of Aiden's parents started to slowly walk towards a sobbing Aiden. He stretched out his arms as to hug them and to face the inevitable on his bloody birthday. He claimed to be a serial killer 
who was actually a werewolf. This was in 1589. Peter Stubbe was one of many self-confessed werewolves. In 1589, he claimed that his wolfskin belt allowed him to transform, and he also said he had slain over a dozen victims. In 1685, the mayor became the Wolf of Ansbach. The people of Ansbach were angry and scared at their, that their livestock was attacked by a wolf-type creature. Hans, the werewolf, said he was bitten by a man in black. This was in Estonia in the 17th century. Giles Garnier, the werewolf of Dole. Jacques Roulat, the werewolf of Angers, mutilated a boy in 1598. Two werewolf friends hunted together in 1521. With a long trail of gore behind them, Pierre Burgot and Michael Verdun confessed to being werewolves in 1521. Their deeds were gruesome, as records indicate. They killed a woman who was gathering peas, also seized a little girl of four years old, and ate the palpitation flesh. All saved one arm. The Georgia werewolf, Emily Isabella Burt, terrorized neighbors in the 19th century. This is an American werewolf legend that comes from Georgia. As the story goes, the widowed Mildred Burt lived in a rural part of the country in the mid-19th century. One of her daughters, Emily Isabella Burt, had trouble sleeping at night, and she had extra hair and sharp teeth. Then there was the werewolf of Polotsk. He lived on as a sorcerer and a werewolf. He was a very real, real ruler of Polotsk in what is now known as Belarus, known as Zevlaz, the sorcerer for his rumored magical powers. He was also believed to take the form of a wolf. Then there was the beast of Gudavan, who stalked through the 18th century France. The tale of the beast of Gouvandon is one surrounded by mystery and a whole lot of bloodshed. Cannibalism made you a werewolf in ancient Greece. Beliefs differ on what exactly turned someone into a werewolf. In ancient Greece, apparently people believed that someone could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf and a human mixed together. The story is similar to the tale of King Laikouan. He attempted to trick the god Zeus into eating human flesh. Zeus wasn't pleased with this and turned Laikon into a wolf as punishment. His name is likely the root of the word lycanthropy. And of course, these are some of the tales and legends that surround us in the world we live in, pertaining to the dogmen, werewolves, skinwalkers, other type of bipedal wolf or dog-like creatures. And there's so many more tales that are not just of the ancient world, but of the world we currently live in, like the werewolf of London, Ohio. And that encounter took place in the 1980s. I wrote about this in my book, Haunted Enough. Be sure to check that out if you want to read that tale. It's something that I would assume you'd find quite chilling. Uh, I've been told that it's probably the book itself is one of the scariest books I've ever written. I hope you enjoy it. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Hey guys. 
Good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash good. That's 4 slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family-owned, family-operated, family-managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Not to mention the Rough Rider, Teddy Roosevelt, versing Bigfoot one day. Did America's most outdoorsy president have a close encounter with Sasquatch? There's no better time to explore how one of our most famous presidents might have drifted into the orbit of one of our most famous mythical beasts than 4th of July. Theodore Roosevelt, president from 1858 to... No. He was born in 1858, passed away, unfortunately, in 1919. He emerged on the American landscape of the symbol of exuberance, some might say manic masculinity before tumbling into the presidency as a consequence of his predecessor's assassination. He was an active outdoorsman for nearly his entire life. He not only loved hiking, camping, and shooting big animals with high-powered firearms, he loved writing about those experiences. His books included The Wilderness Hunter, Hunting Trips of the Ranchman, and ranch life and the hunting trail. In The Wilderness Hunter, Roosevelt describes a peculiar incident with a Native American guide while hunting in the Selkirk mountain range, which extends through Idaho into eastern Washington. Amel objected strongly to leaving the neighborhood of the lake. He went the first day's journey willingly enough, but after that it was increasingly difficult to get him to come along, and he was gradually growing sulky. Finally, he gave us to the uh, understanding that he was afraid because up in the high mountains, there were little bad Indians who would kill him if they caught him alone, especially at night. At first, we thought he was speaking of stray warriors of the Blackfoot tribe, but it turned out he was not thinking of human beings at all, but of hobgoblins. Indeed, the night sounds of these great screeches in the mountain woodland were very, very weird and strange. I never before so well understood why the people who live in lonely forest regions are prone to believe in elves, wood spirits, and other beings of the unseen world. Something was lurking out there, but what? It's easy enough to chalk up those odd night sounds to conventional animal cries, distorted by distances and mountains. But Roosevelt was also an experienced outdoorsman. Something clearly spooked him to the point where he keeps this reminiscence relatively short 
in contrast to some of his other tales, which go on and on and on. In another passage from the same book, Roosevelt describes a conversation with a mountain man, Bauman, who he tells a horrifying tale of a creature in the woods. Roosevelt sets the scene. Frontiersmen are not, as a rule, apt to be very superstitious. They lead lives too hard and practical and have too little time for imagination and things spiritual and supernatural. I have heard but a few ghost stories while living on the frontier, and those few were of a perfectly commonplace and conventional type. But I once listened to a goblin story, which rather impressed me. A grizzled, weather-beaten old mountain man, a hunter named Bauman, who born and had passed all of his life on the frontier, told me the story. He must have believed what he was saying, for he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points of the tale. But he was of German ancestry, and in childhood had doubtless been saturated with all kinds of ghosts and goblin lore, so that many fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind. Besides, he knew well the stories told by the Indian medicine men in their winter camps of the snow walkers and the specters, spirits, ghosts, and apparitions, the formless evil beings that haunt the forest depths, and dog and waylay the lonely wanderer who after nightfall passes through the regions where they lurk. It may be that when overcome by the horror of the fate that befell his friend, and when oppressed by the awful dread of the unknown, he grew to attribute, both at the same time still more in remembrance, weird and elfin traits, to what was merely some abnormally wicked and cunning wild beast. But whether this was so or not, no man can say. Whether the event occurred, Bauman was still a young man and was trapping with a partner along the mountains among the dividing forks of the salmon from the head of the Wisdom River, not having much, had much of his partner determined to go up into a particularly wild and lonely pass through which ran a small stream said to contain many beavers. The pass had an evil reputation because the year before, a solitary hunter who had wandered into this was slain, seemingly by a wild beast. The half-eaten remains being afterwards found by some mining prospectors who had passed his camp only the night before. The memory of this event, however, waited very lightly with the two trappers, who were as adventurous and hardly as others of their kind. They took their two lean mountain ponies to the foot of the pass, where they left them at an open beaver meadow, the rocky timber-clad ground being from their onward impractical for horses, of course, in that trail. They then struck out on foot through the vast, gloomy forest, and in about four hours reached a little open glade, where they concluded and decided to camp. This is where things get bizarre for them. They encountered giant, hairy humanoid beasts that attacked their camp, ransacked their belongings, took their weapons, and dragged one of the men halfway through the forest away from the opening. Teddy Roosevelt, when retelling this story, had trouble catching his breath when relaying the information to fellow fellow trappers, fellow outdoorsmen, and fellow men of the presidential past. Things like this really bring to mind the truth and the validity of tales such as this when someone as reputable as Teddy Roosevelt 
can actually relay a story and write about it in books that I myself have yet to read, but am definitely dying to put my eyes upon. Roosevelt himself never names the creature aside from referring to it as a goblin, which was clearly one of the favorite terms for unknown beasties at that time. But contemporary readers will instantly note that it sounds a whole lot like Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, the hairiest, smelliest, biggest, upright, walking, ape-like creature to ever reportedly stalk the mountains and forests of the Americas. We can imagine Roosevelt's regret at never encountering such a beast face-to-face, only finding signs of it. No doubt he would have relished facing off against such an impressive cryptoid. You can picture the future president stalking through the night, the moonlight reflecting off of his glasses and in his enormous rifle, murmuring, Bully! under his breath, as a 400-pound Bigfoot sizes him up from the far side of a clearing. It would have been a battle for the ages. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. And now I have something that comes straight out of the what the hell were you thinking files. China made an artificial star that's six times as hot as the sun, and it could be the future of energy. Imagine if we could replace fossil fuels with our very own stars. And no, we're not talking about solar power. We are talking nuclear fusion, and recent research is helping us get there. Meet the experimental advanced superconducting Tama Takamak or East. East is a fusion reactor based in Haifei, China, and it can now reach temperatures of more than six times as hot as the sun. Let's take a look at what's happening inside. Fusion occurs when two lightweight atoms combine into a single larger one, releasing energy in the process. It sounds simple enough, but it's not easy to pull off because those two atoms share a positive charge. And just like two opposing magnets, those positive atoms repel each other. Stars, like our sun, have a great way of overcoming this repulsion. Their massive size, which creates a tremendous amount of pressure in their cores. So the atoms are forced closer together, making them more likely to collide. There's just one problem. We don't have the technology to create that kind of pressure on Earth. But luckily, there's another way. You can also generate fusion with extreme temperatures. And that's exactly what the device like EAST can do. The higher the temperature, the faster the atoms move around, and more likely they are to collide. But it quickly becomes a balancing act. If the temperature is too hot, the atoms move too fast and zip past each other. If it's too cold, the atoms won't move fast enough, so the ideal temperature to generate fusion is around 100 million degrees Celsius. That's more than six times as hot as our own sun's core. And this is on planet Earth. They're doing this in China. Only a few fusion experiments in the world have surpassed this milestone, and the latest one was EAST. It sustained nuclear fusion for about 10 seconds before shutting down entirely. While it was a breakthrough for EAST, it's a long way from generating sustainable energy for the people on Earth. 
And that's actually on purpose. East is a tiny reactor at only a few meters across. It's not meant to be a full-fledged power plant. It's an experiment, and right now its job is to help us design more effective fusion technology that could one day power entire cities. You see, you need to pour a lot of energy into these machines to get them to work. This recent East test, for example, guzzled over, it guzzled over 10 megawatts of power, enough to power 1,640 American homes for a year. And it didn't yield even half that amount, since the entire point of a power plant is to, well, produce power. It's a pretty important issue to work out, but it's worth the effort. Well, for one thing, fusion reactors would produce practically no radiation or radioactive waste compared to the kind of reaction we see in today's nuclear fusion power plants. But even better, fusion reactors can run on seawater, a renewable, sustainable resource. Now, the only downfall to this is creating something like our own sun, uh, our own star on planet Earth six times as hot as the sun, you run the risk of opening a black hole in the middle of Earth, which could either pull in an alternate reality and bridge two multi-universes together, and we would blend into ourselves in multiple levels. Uh, it could completely implode and cause us to turn inside out, uh, where we would die a painful, horrible death. Uh, or maybe opening a black hole in the middle of Earth could suck out COVID-19. And maybe that's what China's trying to do, since they keep calling this the Kung Flu and the Chinese virus, according to Trump. Uh, maybe this is their way of rectifying that if they are, in fact, responsible for COVID-19. It's anyone's guess. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. That's the end, my only friend. The end. Have a great rest of the week. Terrific weekend. Stay warm because the temperatures are dropping. I'll see you next week for another spectacular episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm Neil Parks, and thank you for listening. You're unbelievable. You're so unbelievable. You're unbelievable.